You are listening to the Next Play Podcast, the playbook for high-performing leaders who want to exceed their full potential. From walking on the Ole Miss football team at 5'7", 150 pounds, and earning a full D1 scholarship, to coaching thousands around the world and working with massive organizations like IBM, I've learned countless lessons that I'll be sharing right here with you. Join me as I interview some of the most successful people so you too can learn how to focus on always moving forward by deciding, planning, and executing on the next play relentlessly. This is Richie Contartesi with the Next Play Podcast, and today we have a very, very special guest by the name of Rich Bernstein, someone that I've known for quite some time and means a lot to myself and my family. Uh, someone who's done a lot in business. He started a chewing gum company from nothing and built it to $50 million in revenue, sold it to Wrigley, uh, realized that he was spending so much time in his business and wanted to walk away. He is like, I just spent so much time with this. And so he decided he wanted to retire. However, after six weeks of retirement and sitting on the couch in his boxers eating cereal, his wife said, get the hell out of the house. And so you need to go do something. So he ended up um, going and working as a coach and found his real passion, which is the ability to help other people not live their life stuck working and missing out on family. And so he started, uh, he connected with John Gray, which wrote a fabulous book. You've probably heard of men are from Mars. Women are from Venus um, and Mars Venus. And so he partnered with John Gray and created an amazing coaching company called Mars Venus Coaches. He's built it over the past 14 years, 15 years. They have 600 coaches all over the world, not just the country. And so I'm really lucky to have Rich on this podcast and share his story and some of the lessons he's learned around leadership and business development. So Rich, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Richie. I appreciate you inviting me. It's an honor. Yeah. Awesome. So let's jump into it. I like this simple question. How did you get into business? Ooh, wow. That's a really good story. It was actually not supposed to be that way. I had very much a, a rich dad, poor dad, dad that said, get, okay. go to get a job, you know, work for a big corporate, work your way up, make a lot of money and have security. Well, when I graduated college in LA, I went to work with a company called United Confections. They were a candy company and I loved candy. They sold Whoppers and Good and Plenty and Heath Bars and Jolly Rancher. I remember the interview and they were throwing Heath Bars, the little mini ones for Halloween when they first came out. And I said, I'm home, I'm gonna work here forever. And so I started as a sales guy and I said, this is secure. And then I moved up to a manager and then I became regional and then district. And about six years into it, I thought we were doing really great. My division, which was Southern California, Nevada, and Arizona, that territory was doing about a million a month. And I was really proud of it. We had about 100 sales guys, rack jobbers. We had relationships with all the little convenience stores, liquor stores, mini markets, and we'd fill them with candy. Million a month. One day, the suits, that's what we call them, the guys in Chicago that were like the headquarters, the suits are flying in and they want to have a meeting with everybody. I said, this is going to be great. They're going to come in. They're going to acknowledge us. They're going to give us bonuses. And they came in and said, 
They literally came in and walked in the door with a stack of checks in their hand and said, we're closing this division. I said, what? You're, you're, you're close. We're doing a million a month. They go, that's nothing. In fact, we're selling this particular division was selling to Hershey, a big chocolate company. Everybody's heard of them. Million a month is nothing for us. We don't need these rack jobbers. We're just going to go direct to the stores. We're going to do it ourselves. We have our own distribution. We don't need you anymore. That's the first time my heart sunk. And I went, you got to be kidding me. How, how, how does a big corporation, they've been doing all this planning and selling and and change, I know, and never discussed it with me. I was a regional manager. Nobody told me anything. That's the first time I was scared. I just got married. I just had a baby. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. This is not okay. And so all of us, they handed out checks, severance checks to everybody and closed the door just like that. Everybody, and I had probably close to 100 guys working under me. They all looked at me and said, Rich, what are we going to do tomorrow? And I went, what, what do you mean? What are we going to do tomorrow? I think I got to go out and find a job. <laughs> and so the first thing I thought of was, hang on a second. We have all the relationships with all the stores. The only thing I don't have anymore is a product. Let me go find a product. And in those days, Richie, we didn't have the computer. We didn't have internet. We didn't have, you know, where you could Google something. We had the, the library. You know, there's this little place you can go to that has a bunch of books. And I oh, went to the library oh. that night. Yeah, you probably never heard of it. Or maybe in college, they have a, a library. But anyway, so I, I went to the library and I asked the librarian, where do I find manufacturers? Because I lost one. She said, it's called the Bond Directory. I, she handed me this book. It had to be this thick. It was like an encyclopedia. I started going through it with every manufacturer in the United States. And when I got to the G's, there was a little company that said Gumtech International. I said, oh, and it told me who was the owner. And so I wrote the name down. And the next morning, I called the guy up. His name was Greg Gossett. He's still a friend 30 years later. This guy is a dear friend. The company was in Utah. I called him up and I said, Greg, I just left United Confections. They just got bought out. I'm looking for a product to sell. And what I would like to do is just buy a kind of a sample and just put it into the stores and see what happens. I got the salesman. I've got the relationships. I don't have a product. He goes, okay, I would like to meet you someday, but what would you like as an opening order? And I thought, okay, if I put one box, a little sampler in all the stores that I have relationships with in these three states, um, 200 grand. Dead silence, dead silence. And I went, something's not right here. Greg, let me come out and visit you. So I told the team, the 100 guy, just hang on, give me a couple of days, I'm going to go to Utah. I drove out to Utah to meet this guy. I walked into his office, and I am not kidding you, Richie. He was sitting there at a card table with shorts and flip-flops. And I said, where's the factory? He goes, well, we don't really have a factory, but I have it made down in Mexico and kind of I get it co-packed here in the United States and we can we can put it anywhere you want. I said, you need a partner, don't you? He goes, that'd be great. We shook hands. We started to bring it up here. We started doing shows. He was a chewing gum guy and he made a very interesting product. It was called Buzz Gum. It had guarana in it. And you chew it and it actually gave you energy. 
It tasted horrific, but it really worked. And I'm not kidding you. The first show we ever went to in LA, it was like a chewing gum confection show. Every person that came to our booth would take a sample, chew it and go, and spit it out. Every single person. And so I said, Greg, this is not working. We need a better product. So we started, my wife, who's very creative, we started coming up with products like Love Gum. that puts you in the mood for love. We would put ginseng into the little chiclet. And then we came up with Chromatrim, which was a big one. We put chromium picolinate in gum, chew it, you lose weight. And then we came up with a vitamin gum. And then we came up with another one and another one. Next thing you know, we had 15 lines of gum. We were doing a million our first year, four million our second year. And little by little, I made every mistake in the book, Richie, but I never stopped selling, never stopped motivating, leading, keeping the team happy. It was just so important to build this thing. And that honestly is how I went from being a great employee to being a business owner by accident. Wow. That's so, it's, that's cool. Like, cause you found you like, you had the hole, they just took away the product and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why don't I just find the product? <laughs> I didn't, I thought of it that night. I'm like, wait a minute. Why don't I, I got the relationships. I got the salesmen that are hungry. They're ready to work and I got nothing to sell. And that's right, how right. I got it's into like, the chewing business. It was, it was in the G's. I couldn't find any A, B, C, D, E, F. I got the G <laughs> and it was gum tech. And I went, Ooh, chewing gum. That'll fit in our stores. Yeah. <laughs> it was very yeah. serendipitous. It's like most businesses have trouble marketing and selling. We were there. You had the, you had the marketing and selling done. The relationships already built. Now you were just filling the hole. I had the machine. Yeah. I just didn't have anything to plug into it. We had most of those guys, believe it or not, were telemarketers. They would pick up the phone and call a store. They would send them a sample. They'd send them a case. They'd send them a pallet. Because what we learned is anything that sits on the counter will sell in a convenience store, right. anything. So we put it on the counter and then we call back later and go, how's it doing? Take right. another box, take a couple cases. So it was, and we did that for 20 years until one day we were at a show and Bill Wrigley, big Bill with big cigar said, I want to buy this company. Let me take it public first. So we actually, we built a factory in Phoenix, Arizona, took it public. We did a bridge loan to an IPO. So I borrowed $6 million, built a factory, took it public, paid the money back, and then Wrigley bought the company. And I didn't do well at retirement. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I, I don't know. I, I don't like TV. I just, you know, and I want to I grow. I like people. Like you said earlier, I was sitting on the couch algae eating cereal. I, I actually came to Las Vegas to, to buy a horse ranch because I'm a horse person and I wanted horses, but you can only feed them so much and brush them so much and ride them so much. And in between, I was doing nothing. And I felt very void. And believe it or not, I, I had a buddy of mine that we went to lunch and we were talking. I'm thinking, what am I going to do in the next chapter of my life? I'm retired at 42 years old. What am I going to do? And he said, you know what? I got a buddy. You should do what he's doing. I go, what is he doing? He's a business coach. And Richie, I swear to God, the minute I heard the word business and coach together, I went, that's me. I got goosebumps. 
I mean, I can do that. At least I know what not to do in business. At least I can show <laughs> what I did. At least I can yeah. experience all yeah. the things that I, and share it with clients and help them. Because one thing I know, being a business owner was the loneliest job I ever had. I could not share my fear with my employees or even my wife. I couldn't tell, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I had to act like I know what I'm doing, even though I didn't. I had to have that confidence because we had a hundred guys following. I had to show that confidence, you know, when I was working with other manufacturers and people doing our packaging and things like that. So one foot in front of the other, pretend you're confident, and then it popped. Nice. So here in business coaching, I knew what to, that I could help from an outside perspective. I knew what it was like to not take lunch. I knew what it was like to not get home for dinner. I knew what it was like to not be able to cash my paycheck because everybody had to get paid first. I knew all of the things that I had done wrong. And I could at least share that because I sat in their chair. Mm. It's powerful. Well, I took a course in business coaching and I loved it. I absolutely loved how to extract the, the vision that a, that a business owner wants for his business and help him put the steps together to get there. Because most business owners, Richie, they don't even, even have time to think. They're just doing. They're doing what they did yesterday because I need to do it today just to survive. And getting them for one hour a week to take a step back and look at where they are and look at where they're going and take a breath and take a vision snapshot and talk about a few strategies and see some measurements if we implement those strategies. That changed everything. I wish I had that in my business. Yeah. So I know the value of that delivering it to others. Right. What, what would you and say? Then I met John Gray. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead and finish. Yeah. Then I met John Gray. That changed everything. Because I'll be honest with you, I had heard of the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I hadn't read it, but I heard of it. I didn't right. know who wrote it. But when he called and said, this is John Gray, I'm like, okay. And yeah. he's like, well, you know, I wrote that book, Men Are From Mars. I said, okay, and what do you want from me? I knew right away, Mars, Venus is about relationships. He said, well, right. I'd like to do licensing, you know, kind of business and life coaching and relationship coaching and take it around the world. And my first question, what, what does, and why would I even entertain something like that? What does relationships have anything to do with business? And Richie, his answer not only floored me, but that's why I'm here. His answer was, if you don't think business is all about relationships, then I'm talking to the wrong guy. If you don't think business is all about, you never had relationships with your customers. You don't yeah, have relationships with your employees. You, you don't have a relationship with vendors and supplier. And I went, duh, never thought about it like that. Yeah. It is all about relationships. On every level. E clients, employees, you know, at top to bottom. Customers, suppliers, vendors, your rent, whoever you rent, your, your locate. Everything is about relationships. And I never looked at Richie also. People don't look at relationships they have with time. Everybody has a relationship with time. How about a relationship with money? Yeah. That's a big one. How you have that relationship with money has everything to do with your success. Never looked at it that way until I met this guy named John Gray. Changed my life. So I'm just curious, what, what were some of the, the bigger lessons you learned around leadership from the first, from the chewing gum company? And then 
how has that evolved or translated <laughs> to, to what you learned from building Mars Venus coaching? I think one of the most important things I learned about leadership was I'm not above them. I'm right next to them. I led by example. When they had trouble making a sale, I was on the phone with them. When they had trouble with a client, I was out there, you know, dealing with that client with them. I was, I never considered that I'm higher than you or better than you, or you work for me. We were a team. So my leadership skills came from a, an equal playing ground where I really considered them as my partners in business. I treated them that way. I communicated that way. I also was hard-nosed when it came to them taking advantage of me. Because one thing I've learned in leadership is people try to take advantage. I can't tell you how many times this guy's mother died and how many days off and how many times he was sick. And so <laughs> the I, same mom died I twice. Took, <laughs> I took that, that all with a grain of salt. So although I was right next to them, I didn't buy into a lot of their, you know, crap that they would bring to the table. I, if I was in it up to my eyebrows, I wanted them to be in it. So I could expect that because I was. I expected excellence because I tried to be that. And, and, and they didn't have to be, but they had to try to be. I was compassionate and still firm. Yeah. So that's so, one thing I've learned. Which one? Because that was that, a lot. But I just being equal <laughs> with them. Equal. No, being, I like that. Their... And is that, do you feel like that's, that's something that you learned from the chewing gum company? Or is that just from your experience over time, what, what you found that works? Um, no, I think it was from that company. Definitely. Because I didn't, I was thrown in the water. When that company started, it wasn't where I was going. I was a leader in corporate is very different than being a leader as an entrepreneur. Way different. So being a leader in corporate, I, right. I had a very different mentality of me working up the ladder like I expected to. And the people that were my subordinates did what I said or, or we let them go. I, I was very different. When I was an entrepreneur, I, I looked at that as a partnership because I relied on them and I wanted them to rely on me. So that relationship, which I didn't look at as a relationship till I met John 20 years later, but I right. looked at that as, as a partnership. So it, right. it happened there. It happened in the pool. I was thrown in the water and it happened because it worked best for me. Right, right. No, that's good. You know, you mentioned something and it, I think it's something that, that I guarantee a lot of people that ears perked up and you said, you know, relation. Well, yeah, you said relationship with money. And I think that's a, that's a powerful thing that I think holds a lot of people back. Um, the other, the other thing I want to talk about that for a second, but there's one other thing you mentioned that I want to hit on first, and that's the difference between being a leader in corporate versus being the leader of your own company. I, I think, and I would love your opinion on this. The biggest difference is that when you're in corporate, there's no risk. Your risk is losing the job when you're in business and you're, you're the, it's, you're losing your, everything's your money. It's like gone. So, um, yeah, you may have investors, but, um, you know, most of the time you're, you're rolling in the beginning bootstrap, it's your money. So you, you, you tend to look at things differently. I assume you'd probably lead differently. So do you think there's things yeah. that, that you've learned from both sides of the table that you can bring to the corporate world that would help leaders in that sense where they wouldn't see it that way is there anything you feel you felt you've learned 
in a leadership role as a business owner that we can bring back to corporate to help those leaders? Yeah, yeah. I, I think part of the problem with corporate, in my opinion, you touched on it a second ago, is that they don't worry about the money side of it because they just they're worried about productivity or you know the employee morale. Bonuses or, you know, is all on. Yeah, bonuses is all on revenue, right? It's all on sales. Right. But when you're an entrepreneur, every little thing has to bring in money. It can't just be we're working on a project. We're working on a project. You have to be able to launch that project. Marketing and sales is probably the biggest engine of a of a of a small company or even medium sized company, fifty to hundred million. It's all marketing and sales. And so in corporate, you don't worry about marketing and sales. Even if you're in the marketing department, you don't worry about the result. You just worry about you know coming up with something creative or it looking good or a good slogan or a good. But you're not really looking at monetizing that. So every department is so compartmentalized that there's not that real sense of we're doing this as a team. If I were to go to corporate again, I would have very different departments where they're literally touching each other instead of compartmentalized. And leading a compartment department is different than leading a team. So uh, that's number one, is everything has to be monetized when you are an entrepreneur. And you know that yourself. I know that from Mars Venus because we started it. Again, I didn't have an injection of capital. I wanted to see if we can do this one coach at a time and build this around the world with small marketing and and let it build on itself. I was not going to go to John Gray and say, I need an injection of capital. And I certainly wasn't going to put my own. I just wanted to see if this thing will fly. And now 15 years later, like you said, we're in 42 countries 600 coaches around the world. We're very proud of that. And it's one coach at a time. One play at a time. One coach at a time. I like it. One relationship at a time. (laughs) One relationship at a time. That's how you do it. It's the next relationship. That's it. It's the next coach. (laughs) Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. This is critical. I think it's critical how you look at it. So many of the corporate leaders don't look at it as a business. They look at it as my department, not how it affects everything else in the company. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's really, really good. I I, I just want to backtrack because first of all, anyone listening, I think what you just said is so important. And I want to build on that because I think the relationship that we have with our colleagues, with our clients And the relationships, not only with that, but other things like our personal relationships, our relationship with money, our relationships with our bodies and how we take care of ourselves. Yeah. Like, here's here's the thing, though, and this is something I learned from corporate now that I think about it off the cuff. When I was in corporate, I was so young. You know, I was about 22 years old when I got my first corporate job and working up six years with them. So I was only about 28. Everything I learned in leadership was from them, from the guys that I reported to. How they treated me is how I treated the the people that worked for me. So I kind of learned it in the environment. And one thing I learned, and this is what they said to me many times, Rich, if you're not hitting your numbers, we're going to have to let you go. If you're not hitting your numbers, we got to do something different. So to me, that was not a relationship. When I learned and had my own entrepreneur business, regardless of the product, when I had an employee that wasn't working, I went to them and said, hey, Richie, you're not hitting your numbers. Are you okay? I didn't say we're going to have to let you go. 
I said, is everything okay with you? How's the wife? How are you feeling? That, that's a different relationship than saying to a guy, look, you're not hitting your numbers. You do that three quarters in a row, we got to let you go. That's not a relationship to me. To me is Richie, you're not doing what you said you were going to do. Are you okay? How are you feeling? What's going on? Are you feeling okay? How's everything at home? How are the kids? Because to me, now I want a relationship with the person, not the job. And that's the mm. difference between corporate and entrepreneurism. But they can, but we can take that to corporate, right? Of course we can. I, I and hope can we, can we, can we, <laughs> and can we build on that and say, you know, what you're saying is like, Hey, you didn't hit your number. Sorry. And you're saying, okay, I want to dive deeper. Let's talk. How are you? What's going on? Why aren't you hitting it? And then can't we look at all of the different activities that they're doing and see if we can improve and coach them and hold them accountable to what they should be and can be doing on a weekly basis yes. versus no, just, of course. But many times I don't need to break it down. I get answers like my wife and I are having the, the rockiest time in our marriage and I don't know what to do about it. Or, you know, my kid is sick and I don't know what to do about it, or I'm not feeling well. You know, I've had this pain for a long time. I, you know what I, I find that typically the results we're getting are only a symptom of something going on personally. And if I really want to help that person, I need to address the root problem. Like go to a doctor, mm. go to a therapist with your wife. Let's get a marriage counselor for you. Or I'm broke all the time. Let's teach you how to manage your money a little better because I'm worried about, you know, my finances. All of those personal issues affect the job. So even though you're right, I could break it down into them performing better, but I'm not worried about performance. They were capable when I hired them, but something's going on that's getting in the way. Got it. So how do you, how do you teach, how do you help leaders um, coach their people through that? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? Like, I teach I, them I, exactly what I'm talking about here. I, tell, I say to them, first of all, you see that employee right there? Tell me a little bit about that guy. Is he married? I don't know. Does he have kids? I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you know if you lead that guy? Why don't you know everything about him? Mm. Because what I've also learned is to get productivity out of people, it's not how much you pay them. It's how much you value them, how much they feel a valuable part of this organization. Ooh, I like that. It's how much you value them. And, then and how much, how much you show, right? How much value, go ahead. You show them, right? How much do they feel value? I feel valuable in this organization. Okay, so I make a little less money, but I feel valued. I want to be part of something bigger than me. That's one of our needs, our human needs, is to feel part of something significant. And I don't care if you're making, you know, ball parts or, you know, the glasses, whatever product you're in is not relevant. Do they feel they are part of something bigger than them? Significant. We have to have significance on this planet. And it's a very important part of leadership is understanding, making that person feel valued and significant. Mm -hmm. and, and you do that by just, by just asking them, Hey, like, Tell me about your, like, what's going on. Tell me about your, your family. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about what you have going on. Every exactly. Monday morning meeting, Richie, not only my company, but every company I work with, every Monday morning staff meeting, before we get in the meeting, tell me one great thing that you did this weekend. One fun thing you did this weekend. One amazing thing. I want to hear it from everybody. Now we can start the meeting, including me, because I want to know who they are. Mm. 
What if you have a, what if you're a VP and you have like nine regional, you have nine directors and then they all got about, you know, 20, 15 reps underneath them. Like how did, how would they do that? You do it just like the army. Everything's in levels. So I would talk to the nine of them and I want to know something great they did this weekend. And I want to teach them to do that every Monday morning with the 12 or 15 they're working with. And I want to teach them to do it with the next level. The whole company culture has to be, I value you. Mm. Ooh, I like that. But it starts with you, with the people that you direct, that report direct to you. Then you teach them. as. Gotcha. I like that. Is that what you, is that like your, is that what you teach your clients? I teach the clients to do it. I teach my coaches to do it with their clients. It's part of our course training. When you become a Mars Venus coach, whether business, corporate, executive, or life and relationships, I want our people to teach how to teach people to have value, to be valuable. Because if I treat you like you're valuable to me, Richie, guess what? You step mm -hmm. up and become valuable. Right. The identity so game is first? strong. Yeah. The chicken or the egg. What happens first? You know what happens first? The leader shows value. Then the employee steps up and shows their value. That's so powerful. Like we were actually just talking about this yesterday. It's like, um, if you, if, uh, you know, I had, I had a teacher one time and I was really struggling with math, but for some reason, when I walked in her class for the first time, she's like, Richie, I've heard you're such a great math student. And I don't know if she's, she had learned something psychologically or something, but like every time I went to her class, I was like really paid attention. I tried to be like a really good math student. And I think what you're saying is like, Hey, we can help people build their identity. If you tell somebody they're shy, they're going to be shy. If you tell somebody, you know, if you, if you build their identity or help them, they'll fill the role. Is that kind of what you're saying? I, I am saying that in a leadership role. And let me just throw in a personal side. I'm saying it on a parenting role too. If you, you want a trustworthy child, you need to trust them first. Do you know how many parents I've talked to say, well, I don't trust my kid. And, and I say, well, is your kid trustworthy? No, that's why I don't trust them. I go, well, if you treat him like you trust him, he becomes trustworthy. Hmm. Because the parents treat him like they don't trust him. Let me see your homework. Let me see what you did. Let me see this. I don't trust you. Guess what? The child becomes untrustworthy. Right. This is Mars Venus. John wrote a great book called Children Are From Heaven. It's a positive yeah. parenting book. Yeah. Excellent. Highly That's why by the way. everything is about relationships, the relationship you have with your child. Super important. Mm. So, so, so how did you build Mars Venus? I know it was one coach at a time, but what was your... Like, how did you get the first 10 coaches? What, what, what was your process? And what does um, your team look like? To, like, what does it look like today? How did you do it? And what does it look like today? How did I do it? And what does it look like today? That, we don't have enough time for all that. No. <laughs> no, how did I do it? First of all, first of all, like I said earlier, I jumped right in. I didn't act like I'm a CEO. I act like I'm a coach. I wanted, I want to walk the talk. I want people that want to be a coach like I did for the reasons that I did. I really want to help people. If you want to join Mars Venus to make money, I, I, I typically we won't accept you. We, we don't, you can't just, I want to make money being a coach. You have to really want to help people that is your driver and the money will come. 
Money always is a byproduct of you doing what you love to do and doing it well. So the first thing, because I loved being a business coach and I loved helping people, it was easy to recruit somebody that was like-minded. Do you Got know it. what I mean? So yeah. every person that I talked to was an interview about why would you want to be a coach? Why would you want to help people? Why would this be the business? And if I didn't get those kind of, I really want to help people. I've been there. I know what it's like to be by yourself, to be lonely, to not be able to cash your check. All of the challenges business owners have. If you didn't have that, that passion, then you can't join our team. Mm. So that was number one. I really wanted those people. And I had to start off with that kind of, would you say the first 10? I kind of had to start off the first 50 like that so that we had a foundation of attracting more coaches. Because one thing I am very proud of, Richie, out of the 600 coaches, 50% of them were actually clients of one of our coaches. 50% were clients of one of our trained coaches. That to me is amazing for a, a person to hire a coach, I see, work yeah. with them for six months or a year and go, I want to do what you're doing means we're doing something right. Hmm. That's Very how right. I built the company. I like that first piece because I mean, we all lose sight of it sometimes. Like we get into it because we're like, oh my God, I have this way. I know how to do something that others don't and I can help them get through it. And you want to do that and you get excited. But then as you, you start building the business, all these other things start coming up and sometimes you lose sight of that. So that, that is a good reminder of like, Hey, you're in this to, is to help people, the business, all that yep. other stuff is, is, is a result of doing the byproduct, right? It's an output. It's not an input. And that's one right. of the things I've learned in business is you focus on the inputs, not the outputs. You right. focus on the inputs, the outputs. And the problem with that, Richie, is when we're in school as a child growing up, whether it's through high school or college, everything is about the result. We're, our, our society has trained our brain to focus on the result. What I teach my coaches in, in classes is don't worry about the result. Focus on what you're doing. Focus on the process. Focus on your why. Focus on your first step. Because if you're in it 100%, just focus on that play. play. <laughs> exactly your your business exactly and that's why i'm so proud of you because when you're going for that ball and i've heard one of your stories where you're literally everything slows down and that ball's in the air if for one brief second you thought about the next play you're screwed you drop you've got to be in this play you drop right. it of course every time and, and that's in business that is so important in business Super, super true. I love how you tied that in. That was really good. You must be a business coach. <laughs> I am a business coach. And I absolutely love it, Richie. And I remind myself every day, I never count the money. I count how many people I'm helping. How many people can I help? Even if it's a brief discussion, Richie, I'm at a networking event and I'm talking about what, what's in their business and flip it to the other side so they can see a vision. I, you know what? That was a one minute help. And I never talked to the guy again. That is my drug of choice. Mm. I like that. It's like some people, they work out, they get high. Some people drink, do drugs, but that's your, where you get your high from. So what, I, I what, love flipping people from their problem to their vision. 
That, that, that is so important to me because what I've learned is people live in their problems. They think about them all the time. They focus on them. And that is part of the problem is they're not flipping. And what do I actually want that problem to look like? What's the vision? What's the next play, Richie? What does that actually look like, taste like, feel like? And if you focus on that, you will manifest it. The more you focus on the problem you're having, the more you're going to manifest more of that. Very true. So what is Mars Venus's next play? Mars Venus coaching. What's Mars Venus coaching's next play? Well, I think what we're, we're really focused on doing now is starting to put a structure together where coaches are now coaching coaches on our team. And coaches are now training coaches. So we put a hierarchy together where I've broken the world up into different you know, territories, so to speak. And in each territory, I have a coach trainer and a coach's coach. So what I'm trying to do now is leverage what I've taught them and the success that they've had to pass that on. So it's not just growing coaches. What I've learned and one of the most powerful things I've heard is being a good leader is creating leaders. Yeah. And I think one of the problems in corporate is that in corporate, if I create leaders, they're going to take my job. If I create leaders, I'm out of business. They're going to, you know, and, and in entrepreneurism, never worry about that. Nobody's going to take my company away. So my goal is creating as many Mars Venus leaders around the world to lead their teams. And I'm teaching them to create leaders because they got nothing to worry about. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. Is that, That's our is, next that is that going to be like MLM style or, or is it just like, are they going to get paid no. off of? They get what we do. Our model is a little different in that we are not a franchise. So we don't make percent of, co of their coaching fees. What we do is we, we charge them a flat fee if they want us to coach them a flat fee for their training, whether it's their life and relationship training or corporate executive training or business coach training. We have different levels of training. They pay for that one time. Not only do they pay for it only one time, they can attend as many times as they like. So they can go again oh, wow. and again and again to learn it again and again, because once you start doing it and you come back to training and do it for free, it's like, wait, I missed that. Wait, I right. don't remember hearing that because now they're doing it instead of just learning it theoretically. And so I encourage them to come back as many times as possible. And so we have a flat fee they pay for the support. That's it. So what happens is those coaches coach get a percent and corporate gets a percent. We, we split that coaching fee, but we never touch the money that that coach makes from their clients. That's all yeah. theirs. That's what's so important. That's why I like that model right. way more than the franchise model. And right. it's probably the percent, and then you're pushing them, you're pushing them to make more. And they're like, wait, I don't want more clients. I want, you know, five clients. I'm happy. I do it on the weekend or, or some want 30 clients and we go, you got to get 32. So I make more money that yeah. our model eliminate. I like that. So, so, so what's your next play? What's, what's Mr. Bernstein's next play? You've already I'm built playing. the company, sold it. What I get it, but what, what for you? What's the next move for you? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying traveling. I, I go once a year to Dubai, to the Middle East region and do advanced training. I go once a year to Europe, once a year to Australia. So I love, I make it half vacation with my wife and, and half training. So mine is to see more of the world. 
That's number one. Number two, I, I think that um, I love investing. So I like taking, you know, whatever Mars Venus is making and put it into some sort of investments. I'm building some Airbnbs on my property. I'm enjoying my life. I'm, I got a birthday coming up, Richie. I'm going to be 63. So I'm, you know, just seeing it grow, watching it grow. But 63 is young. I, I agree. But it changes how you see things. That I want to spend more quality time with my son. Every week, we have one day a week. That's our lunch date. Just the two of us. I want I like quality that. relationship with my daughter. My my daughter who travels around the world as a as an artist. Uh, my my wife. Uh, twice a week we go to date night. That now I can do that instead of working eighty hours a week in corporate. I like you know spending quality time with my wife. It's quality time. You're working out, getting massages. You know things like that. I want to have a better quality life. I yeah. want to work yeah. to live my life, not the other way around. Yeah. Two date but nights. But I'm not a week. slowing down, Richie. But I'm not slowing down. No, you I know you. You can't. <laughs> I know that. You can't. Love and life. <laughs> Love and life. And then whatever doors it opens. I have a lot of coaches that are now moving more into corporate. They want to get this message more into corporate. So we've created some interesting workshops. One of them called gender intelligent leadership. How to lead a man differently than a woman. Gender intelligence sales, how to sell a man differently than a woman. I've done some real estate seminars where I'm trying to teach them how to sell to a man and a woman. And then the third sex is the woman who acts like a man. How do you sell that person or lead that person? Because one of the biggest problems, in my opinion, that women have in corporate, they feel they have to act like a man in order to be successful. I got to do what a man does. I've got to think linear. I've got to be in my masculine energy. That's why women in corporate last half the time that men do because they're out of their natural energy. Right, right. They're in their masculine energy and they burn. Yeah, I could see I that love fast. Corporate women. I love teaching corporate women how to lead with their feminine energy. I love that. So, so how do people find you? If someone says, Hey, you know, what? I love, I love what you're doing. I, I, I want to learn more about Mars Venus coaching. How, how do they find you? Come, come to my ranch in Vegas. No, I'm just kidding. Mars, <laughs> MarsVenusCoaching.com. Just go to MarsVenusCoaching.com. Mars I'm Venus telling Coach. you. Yeah. I highly suggest, um, cause I know this is something that's really powerful is you have an assessment there, right? Isn't there an assessment yeah. on your site? There's one How on relationships and one on business. Well, there's two of them. So if you scroll down, you'll see a relationship quiz to see whether or not your relationship gender intelligent or not. And then there's a business quiz to see how are your business intelligence with gender. Yeah, two it's really quizzes. powerful. I highly suggest taking that. Yeah, I highly yeah. suggest taking that quiz. It's um, And that's on MarsVenusCoaching.com, right? Correct. Correct. Perfect. Not okay. MarsVenus.com because that's John. Mars Venus Coaching because we're a separate division. John still does his talks all over the world and John is very active. We're Mars Venus Coaching. And one advantage we also have is every month, all the coaches around the world, we have a call with John, just the coaches and John Gray himself. And he's always teaching us how to handle clients with COVID, how to handle clients when they, because, you know, I'll tell you something that's happened recently. This COVID thing has actually 
made role reversals start to happen. Men are in their feminine energy. They're working from home. They're not going into the office. They're not hunting. They're not doing all those masculine roles anymore. And they're starting to step into their feminine energy. And any man that's in his feminine energy that's in a relationship pushes the woman into her masculine. So the dynamic mm. is shifting. And that's not good for relationships. I would imagine. I'm not talking about I'm not talking, it's not bad for a man to be a stay-home dad or take care of his kids. Or I'm talking about energy, not roles. Right, right. So so is that that's something that are these is that one of the workshops that you're that you were talking about that you're yes. putting together? Yes. Yes. How to push the man back into his masculine, keep her in her feminine energy. That's where she's most comfortable. That's where she's most sexy. That's where she's most productive and happy. Doesn't matter what she's doing. Doesn't matter if she's a corporate gal. She right. can be in that feminine energy. Doesn't matter yeah. the role. Yeah. So I, I highly suggest if you're listening right now to definitely go to MarsVenusCoaching.com. Take the quiz. Um, it's it's really powerful, and you're going to learn a lot about yourself. So um, before we we conclude here, is there anything else that you'd like to share that I've missed on, especially when it comes to you know leadership? No, I think I think you've hit some really good topics. I think that uh, we just have to think about the kind of leader. If there were one thing I would say about leadership is walk the talk, walk the talk. If you want to be a leader, walk the talk and create leaders under you. Don't be afraid of them taking your role. Walk the talk and create leaders. I love it. But I'm honored that you brought me on here, Richie. I'm busy all day, but I, I'm, I'm happy that I took the time to, to talk to your audience. I hope they got value out of it. And I appreciate you uh, letting me tell my stories. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm honored that we got to have you. And I know our listeners are happy as well. So uh, thanks so much for, for being on the show. You're welcome. Have a really good evening. Thanks very much. I got date night tonight at Bootlegger Bistro. Talk oh, to you perfect. later. All righty. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Play Podcast. If you liked the show, make sure to leave us a review. For more resources, visit relentlessuniversity.com or download the free Relentless University app. And if you're interested in having me speak at your next event, visit relentlessrichie.com. Until next time.